Yelich sends one to right center and deep. Get up! Get up! Get out of here and go! For Yelich! He has tied the game with a booming home run. He got it all. Tied up 4-4 on a big home run the pitch. Ryan Braun sends it to right center and deep. Get up! Today I am going solo here to recap the Tigers series. So took a little break with Memorial Day there in regards to no national series recap. But that's alright, you know, that's that's what the holiday's for. We all gotta take our breaks as we need them here. And I certainly enjoyed my time off, got to spend that weekend relaxing up north where I had very little cell service and, and listened to the games on the radio, which was a very, very good change of pace. And... Well, the Brewers were 4-0 when I was listening on the radio to include that Nationals and first game of the Tigers series. And now, of course, on Tuesday night, I watch them back on TV and they lose. So maybe I'm to blame for that because Brewers are undefeated when I listen on the radio this year. So I guess I'll have to keep that in mind when we really, really need a desperate win here. I'm just going to kind of stash that and and use it uh, whenever it would be very, very convenient for me. So... With that being said, not going to talk much about the Nationals series. was good to see us get a sweep, and it's kind of sad I won't be talking a whole lot about it. want to focus today more so on the Tigers series here. Very brief two-game series. So, as always, we'll get into it. Game one was a 3-2 win in 10 innings. That's what gave us that five-game winning streak, and it was on Corbin Burns Day. And he was impressive in this start like he has been pretty much all year. Went six innings, struck out seven batters. He did walk two and gave up one earned run, but it was really incredible. I thought his cutter was even more untouchable than normal. He was backdooring it. He was running it away from right-handers. He just looked even more so dialed in with that pitch, and I had seen him pretty much all year, which is really saying something. And In fact, there's a really funny video out there that was posted by the pitching ninja to can't touch this like do no 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 can't touch this and i think it was one of the tigers uh pitchers in that game trying to bunt his cutter and they they just kept whiffing it it was hilarious because they put it in slow motion and to that beat and that music just made it even better uh, but otherwise in this game there were some nice defensive plays because Hira turned a double play in the fifth inning and that had a runner on first base, and a liner was hit right at him. He had, did have to dive to the base side, and as he dove, he caught the ball and landed right in the bag. So one of the easier double plays you will see all year, as long as you catch the ball. The only run Corbin Burns did allow did come in the sixth inning, in which then in the bottom of that inning, Willie Damas, he countered, put the Brewers on the board with a two-run opposite field homer to give us a 2-1 to lead. In the seventh inning, Trevor Richards immediately 
surrendered the lead, game-tying solo homer on a mistake changeup in the middle-middle of the plate. Later that inning, Lorenzo Cain made a running catch to a dying ball hit into center field, threw to first to try and pick off the runner, didn't get him, but ended up tweaking his hamstring on the play. Sounded like afterwards he said he felt it tighten up when he was sprinting in, and then it, it kind of actually pulled when he threw. So he is now on the aisle with that injury. And then, of course, in dramatic fashion, like I said, we win in 10th innings. This time it was Elise Urias who was the hero in this game. Hit it a quote-unquote single for the walk-off, even though it bounced off the wall and, and went over I don't know how that can be labeled a walk-off single, but whatever. Into deep right field, nonetheless, the pitch was really far out of the zone. So pretty good approach, I guess you would say, to, for Urias to just kind of go with it because that ball is way outside. But hey, I'll take a walk-off win, and from Luis Urias, nonetheless, makes it even better. Game two was a 10-7 to loss. And right before this game, I asked myself, I said, hey, what are the odds that we can get back-to-back good starts from Eric Lauer? Well, he answered that question in the second inning of this game when he allowed six earned runs. After allowing a leadoff homer, he did actually get two outs quickly after that with a single sandwich in between there, but then just lost command. Back-to-back walks warranted visits from the Brewers' athletic trainer. First, to kind of see if he wasn't hurt because he was he was kind of grimacing after he pitched or did something you know floppy-looking with his arm like, like something was up. But he said, nope, I'm fine. And then, of course, walks the next batter. Then Chris Hook comes out and says, hey, get your shit together. You got Mil- Miguel Cabrera coming up. And, well, he did what he does best, hit a bases-clearing double to really blow this game wide open. And in that same inning, Jonathan Scope hit a two-run bomb. In fact, Jonathan Scope ended this game with two home runs, which in all honesty felt like more run production in American Family Fields now he had in one game than he did when he was with us in 2018, so that was really frustrating. The Brewers' offense actually put up runs, seven, seven runs in this game, and we attempted to claw back. Colton Wong had a leadoff homer to begin the game, and then had another homer in the third inning. And then Tyrone Taylor had two homers, so we had two Brewers with multi-homer games. Unfortunately, so did the Tigers in this one. So four players with multi-homer games is, is kind of interesting. A double by Avisil Garcia to score Yelich from first in the fifth inning made it five to seven Tigers at that point, but that was really the closest the Brewers would get. Eric Yardley imploded in the ninth inning, gave up two runs off three walks, and we ultimately lose this one 10-7. It was 10-6 going in the ninth, but at least Sirius, a solo homer, made it just a tad bit interesting and got the closer up for the, the Tigers in the bullpen, but never actually ended up needing to use him. So series split against the Tigers. I know that has some people really mad, like, come on, it's the Tigers, but can't win them all. Like we said, you're just coming off a sweep of the Nationals. I think before today's game, we won, what, eight out of our last 11 ball games or something like that. So Brewers are playing good baseball, despite 
the offensive struggles, but you know, just they came out against the Tigers, I guess, but really had been pitching as carrying them throughout this winning streak, much like it has been most of the season. So if that does not give it away, my series MVP is Corbin Burns in this one. I already mentioned his stats. I thought his command looked incredible. He's got, what, a 2.65 ERA on the season now. His starts are, they're, you can't miss them. I think it's been like that for a while here. And to strike out seven batters again, absolutely incredible stuff there from Corbin Burns. I think it's very deserving of a series MVP. Don't really have any honorable mentions, to be honest. <laughs> Offense wasn't great. Pitching wasn't great. Josh Hader threw one scoreless inning in this series. Brett Suter went an inning in a third scoreless. Boxberger an inning scoreless with two strikeouts. That's really about it. And as, I guess as long as I have Corbin Burns on my mind here, I I saw somebody tweet out today. I'm sorry, I forget whose Twitter handle it was, but he was talking about the struggles of Keston Hira who in this series is 0 for 7 with four strikeouts, and now since being called back up to the major leagues is 1 for 26 with at least seven seven straight games without a hit. Uh, My editor-in-chief, David Gasper, did some digging around. He's only not struck out in one game all year, so that's a little ridiculous. Uh, But anyway, the comp I saw on Twitter was... I've just accepted the fact that Kissin Hira is the 2019 hitting version of Corbin Burns. So I think what he means is he's going to suck this year, but then he's going to go to a secret hitting lab and he's going to come out and be awesome in 2022. So I think that's a little interesting spin on it to take there, but if I didn't clarify that, Kissin Hira is my series dud for this one. We need his bat. I mean, it's that simple first base we have a glaring hole there with no production and Kesson Hira is supposed to be that guy unfortunately he is not being that guy I thought he had restored his confidence with his brief little stint think what was it nine games in the minor leagues whatever ended up being but apparently the level between minor league and major league pitching is just something he is not adapting to whatsoever and it's really putting the brewers in a pickle like what on earth do you do with him is the best option to send him back down to triple a just say hey keep restoring your confidence do you make it a, a longer trip this time don't even consider bringing him back until closer to the all-star break so you're thinking another month from now no matter what happens even if it goes down there starts raking just you want to see something for an extended period of time it certainly could be. It's an option. Do the Brewers, do they trade them? I've heard lots of those going around here already so far. And I think right now the answer with trading Kesson Hira is no. I do think teams understand his value, but they also understand there's a chance he might not turn out to be the hitter that anyone was expecting. So I think his trade value is pretty much near an all-time low right now. I You'd essentially be selling on Kesson Hira at a trade at this point. So no, I do not think trading him right now is the answer. Of course, Kesson Hira's stock could, it could change drastically, <laughs> you know, depending upon what happens throughout the remainder of the season. If he shows any signs of life, 
anything like that. Um, definitely his stock has a lot of fluctuance to it. So at this point in time, on June 1st, as I'm recording this, my answer would be no, do not trade him. Do I think we're getting to the point where we should consider signing or sending him back down to the minor leagues? Yeah, I, I think we should. I mean, the Brewers have a stretch of, what, like 16 games in a row here without an off day. I, I think you can maybe try and ride him a little bit throughout this, but if if nothing's happening and he's not breaking out of it, you you just can't keep doing this. You're gonna you're gonna have to turn to a Dan Vogelbach at first base. You're gonna have to maybe think about acquiring someone else, which you know I'll get into a little bit about that later. I do not have any first base specific targets in mind at this time, but I do have some for some other positions, mainly thinking like third base. What's been going on with Travis Shaw? Now, in this Tiger series, limited playing time due to seeing left-handed pitching so often, two for two with a walk. Okay, yeah, that's great, but man, was his May just dreadful. His slash line was 187, 303, 320, 623 OPS, had two homers with seven RBIs, that's following in April, where he had four homers and 19 RBIs, and most of those runs came within the first two weeks of the season, is what it felt like. Because in April, he finished with a 209 batting average for the season. He's below the Mendoza line now. Not good. Other players with terrible Mays, JBJ. His OPS in May, 313. batting average, that's 6 for 73 at the plate in the month of May for Jackie Bradley Jr., which, man, I wish I would have dug a little bit further. I I wrote an article for reviewing the brew, kind of evaluating where the outfield is ranking at this point in time, and... I, you know, me being me, I tried to put a positive spin on it. That that's what I like to do, and you know, like the positive I took away for JBJ was his defense. So he's got at that point when I wrote it right before Memorial Day, he had a 2.2, you know, equivalent to defensive run saves for Fangraphs, whatever that is, or 2.5 he was. Lorenzo Cain was 2.2. That's eighth and thirteenth best in the major leagues. Obviously, Garcia at that time had a .8 F4. That was eighth best in the MLB among outfielders. Lorenzo Cain had a above 100 wins created plus, which is good, just barely over. But you know, or his MVP seasons, he was closer to like 170. So I hopefully was expecting that would continue to rise with as sample size got better. But with Lorenzo Cain now going on the injured list, everyone's like, oh, you know, good thing we signed JBJ. He had this good outfield depth. JBJ's just been terrible, though. Absolutely terrible. So I'm honestly more excited for Tyrone Taylor. He had two homers in his first game back up in the second game against the Tigers. He has just been absolutely mashing in the minor leagues. And I was looking at some 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 storylines earlier. He he was like player of the week, I believe, for the the Nashville Sounds or, or in their conference. So he reported the camp of the best shape of life, has been hitting in the minor leagues, just hasn't got a whole lot of chances here in the major leagues yet so far, but I think that is going to change, especially with Kane on the injured list, like I said, and JBJ just being terrible. So I'm all for the Tyrone Taylor season here, breakout season, or even if it's for a short little stint here, like Billy McKinney provided a spark for what felt like a week, but 
we won a lot of games because of that. <laughs> so if Tyrone Taylor can give me a little spurt here where he helps us win some games and I get really high on him and, and then he kind of goes back down to where I expect, yeah, I, I will be happy, I guess, per se. Is, I think he's, he's showing up stuff right now, and, and I'm just curious to see where that's all going to level out at the major league level. And the only way to do that is extending playing time, and what better time than right now when he's hot and Lorenzo Cain is on the injured list. Otherwise, taking a look at this series, we'll kind of go through some of the stats here. Colton Wong, 2 of 9. Both of his hits were homers, 3 RBIs against the Tigers. Willie Donis, 1 of 8, 2 RBIs, a walk, a homer, and 4 strikeouts. Luis Arias, 2 of 7, a walk, a homer, and 2 RBIs. Christian Yelch, 2 of 8, a walk, 5 strikeouts. So not good to see that there out of Yelch after I thought he was coming off a pretty good weekend against the Nationals. And obviously, Garcia, 1 for 7, 1 RBI. That was off a double, and then 4 strikeouts. Yeah, it's it's hard to sweep a two-game series when you're not getting really good consistent offense there. Because, like I said, we really only broke out in that second game, and that was mainly due to the long ball. So with that being said, we're going to shift over to the Diamondbacks here. The Diamondbacks are terrible. The Brewers are at a stretch in this in the season where they have, play some below average teams, and the Diamondbacks are certainly one of them. They're last in the National League West I'm not even going to try and speculate what the pitching rotation is going to look like because after Eric Lauer imploded, we pitched Adrian Hauser, who originally was supposed to be the starter for Thursday's game, which is when this series starts. But I'm going to assume that with the off day on Wednesday, everything's just going to get pushed back one. So I'm going to guess it'd be Brett Anderson on Thursday, Freddie Peralta Saturday, Brandon Woodruff Sunday. Oh, sorry, I messed that up. I would guess it's going to be Brett Anderson Thursday, Freddie Peralta Friday, Brandon Woodruff Saturday, Corbin Burns Sunday. There we go. Now I got it. But who knows? I, I'm not going to try to read Council's mind, but that makes the most sense for me. Paven Smith is one Diamondbacks hitter to be on the lookout for. In the last week, he's collected 14 hits. And really, over the last two to three weeks, he has been on an absolute tear. Doesn't have her power, but just continues to get on base and and one of those pure hitters plays first and the outfield for the Diamondbacks. And then there's Eduardo Escobar, third baseman for him and good friend of the podcast, John Egan, or Brett Suter's actual Raptors might know him, wrote a little piece on him for reviewing the Brew about being a potential trade candidate and makes sense for the Brewers given Third base is an area where we are struggling right now, as we mentioned. And Escobar has been a productive hitter in terms of home runs and ribbies pretty much throughout his career. Doesn't contribute a ton from a batting average standpoint. But run production later in the lineup, power threats, I I think that's what you would want to get for. He would be a true rental player. He's got like 7 mil left on this contract, which maybe the Diamondbacks would eat a good majority of that. Uh, but otherwise, like internal options, third base, you know, I just brought up Escobar because we're going to be playing him this weekend, so that'd be kind of cool. But everyone's calling for Zach Green to get called up at third base. He was my dude in the spring training, <laughs> and so it's good to see him, and he really deserves it. Among AAA in the East League there, he has nine homers, 
25 RBIs. Those are both first. A 708 slugging percentage, a 1.037 OPS, 13 extra base hits. He does have a higher than, you know, what you would like strikeout rate. We, we know this, but it, you just have to hope if the Brewers do give him a chance, which they'd have to add him to the 40-man roster to do so, that it just doesn't turn out to be a, a recalling Kesson here a situation where the difference in pitching is just too much to handle. Uh, that would be my greatest fear. But Zach Green's been a power hitter pretty much everywhere he has gone. Granted, not very much success in the majors. He was with the Giants before the Brewers, but definitely in the AAA level, he's a proven power threat throughout multiple seasons. So it'd be cool to see what he would be able to do because... Yeah, the Pablo Reyes experiment failed. Luis Rios, I I like him there, especially starting against lefties. I think he's got the potential to go in spurts as an everyday third baseman. But long term, I I just don't know how that projects yet. I think it'd be good to give him off days in there. He obviously can play short and second base when needed as well. And I think having someone else there like a Zach Green would be nice because the Travis Shaw experiment, I think is going to be coming to an end before the trade deadline. It just has that feel, unless he turns things around here drastically. Could even come to an end before we reach the end of June with how he is trending right now. So those were my thoughts there. Wanted to hit on Eduardo Escobar as long as we have the Diamondbacks coming up. That is a four-game series, like I said, Thursday through Sunday. So I'll be back to recap that series on Monday hopefully with a series win brewers have to take advantage this part of this the season i would like to see us inch closer maybe even have the nl central lead by the time we are done with this next stretch of like 16 or 17 games in as many days so be on the lookout for that and as you know be sure to follow us on twitter at trilogy underscore pod follow reviewing the brew follow wisconsin sports heroics for all of your viewers content and i will talk to you later brewer fans